Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail. I'm Miriam Marston, your host and fellow pilgrim in this journey of faith and life. I'm glad you've tuned in here on Mater Day Radio or through the Archdiocesan Podcast Channel. And this week, I'm joined by Taylor Kemp, who was a professional soccer player for a number of years and then switched gears pretty decisively and is now working for a Catholic apostolate. So what accounted for the change? How did he get here? I am going to let Taylor tell his own story, but I want to highlight one of the themes that emerged from our conversation, and that is trust. You'll hear Taylor mention a few times about how he needed to have a certain amount of trust before taking those next steps to saying amen to Christ and to what the church proclaims and teaches. I was thinking about this and a very simple example came to mind, which helps demonstrate how essential it is to have this foundation of trust before we can get much further in learning and embracing the faith. So I live in Oregon, but my cell phone number is actually from Virginia. So especially in recent months, I've noticed that when I try to call people, it normally goes to voicemail. And then that person will call me back shortly after. And I've come to understand why. Basically, they had to know that this call wasn't spam because they see a random out-of-state number. And lately, the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of us is that someone is calling about extending our car warranty. So they need to know that I'm not trying to sell them something. I just want to talk. And that's the first step to establishing trust. And sometimes that's how it is with sharing the faith. A lot of folks might perceive Christians in the way that they think a phone call might be someone who's trying to convince us our warranty is about to expire. And that suspicion means the defenses go up. We don't want to listen or we just ignore or delete messages. But the gospel isn't a product we're trying to sell. It's a story we're trying to share. As Taylor emphasizes in our interview, evangelization is not strictly about giving answers. It's about giving that personal account of what God has changed in your own life and to give the reasons for why you live differently than you did before. So please enjoy my conversation with Taylor, who discovered that his identity went beyond being a soccer player as he came to understand that he belonged to God first. I'm joined today by Taylor Kemp, who is the platform manager of Formed, which is part of the Augustine Institute. Taylor, it is so nice to have you on the show. How are you today? It is so wonderful to be here. I'm good. It is a wonderful uh, day to be working for the Lord. Awesome. I think every day is a wonderful day to be working for the Lord. So amen to that. All right, Taylor, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, Could you walk us through uh, some of your story, where you're from, your career, some of those twists and turns, but in particular, I'd love for you to share with us how Christ was shared with you. Yes. So I am from Denver, Colorado, uh, which is where I now live, but spent a lot of time elsewhere in between my birth and now. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, but it was pretty nominally Christian. It was not Catholic and it was not um, a major part of my upbringing. And so uh, for me personally, I was never, I would have really never considered myself much of a Christian or or had a a personal relationship with the Lord or anything like that. Um, And I really had 
one kind of priority growing up, which was to play soccer. I, I was an athlete by trade. Um, and I just wanted to become a professional soccer player. And I ended up going to the University of Maryland for college uh, and played soccer there. Um, they were one of the top colleges in the country. Um, and then from there, I, I left college early and was drafted into DC United in Major League Soccer in the first round. That was in 2013. Um, and then I went and played for DC United for six years between 2013 and 2018. Um, I played in over a hundred games. I had some stints with the national teams. I played with the U18s, the U20s and the full national team um, and then retired from injuries in, in 2018. Uh, in the middle of that though, when I was about 24, 25, I had some uh, friends and then really my girlfriend at the time who was a cradle Catholic uh, and we were starting to think about getting married and uh, she's now my wife, we did get married, uh, Brittany and she, when she came out to DC to, to live with me there after graduating and she wanted us to start going to mass. And as we were talking about getting married, she was like, well, if we get married, I want to get married in the church. And I'm like, totally fine with me. I have no problem with, I have no problem with Christianity or, or the church or anything like that. that. That's fine. And she's like, okay, great. Well, you need to go through this RCIA process in order to, for us to get married in the church. I was like, totally cool. I'll sign a form. <laughs> and just and just and just move right along that's that's great and she's like well yeah it's more like seven or eight months you gotta go <laughs> not quite <laughs> signing on the dotted line immediately oh no. and I was like Brittany have you lost your mind like absolutely not and I was like what what does this even entail and she's like well you have to go to this church basement every Tuesday night for an hour and a half and I was like you know like there's no way so I, I really did say no yeah and uh, she's she's very strong-willed, stronger-willed than I am, and and she signed me up without telling me for RCIA. This is it. This is in um, 2015, and it's at St. Peter's on Capitol Hill, so it's in the city in Washington D.C. I had been. Uh, this was my third year as a professional player there, mm -hmm. and she signs me up. She doesn't tell me, and the Sunday before classes start on Tuesday, she's like, "Hey, by the way, you have class on Tuesday." Um, and, and she's like, if you don't want to go, you can call the priest and tell him you're not going to go. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to do that. Priest freaked me out. I didn't really like understand them or yeah. <laughs> why they dress so funny. Uh, so I, I went and I was just like, I'm going to suffer through this for a month and kind of drop out. Mm. And I, I ended up having just the, an amazing experience. Obviously I'm Catholic, I'm working at a Catholic apostolate. So something went well, uh, <laughs> But really, I had a great teacher. His name was Father Thomas Joseph White. He was from the Dominican House of Studies in D.C., and he now teaches at the Angelicum in Rome. And he was just an unbelievable teacher. And I, I grew up, I was a business background. That's what my undergrad degree was. And so I had never heard anyone teach about the faith like he did. I had never heard anyone teach about the human person like he did or yeah. relationships or marriage or like any of it. So it just it just opened up this unbelievable horizon of, of thought and things that had never been a part of my life really. And it, it just deeply impacted me. And obviously the Holy spirit was doing a lot of work interiorly. Yeah. So I would say that about, uh, you know, maybe two months in, I, I had resolved not to leave the class because I, I liked listening to him. And I was kind of like, you know, he, he might be onto something here. Yeah. And then about four months in, I, I really was like, you know, I, I think I'm starting to believe some of what he was saying. And then, yeah. you know, right before the Easter vigil, I had really just, I had come to trust father Thomas Joseph 
yeah. a lot. Uh, I didn't quite know what I thought about the church or Jesus, but I, I trusted Father Thomas Joseph and I, he was so wise and he was so kind and just good. And I was like, I really trust what he's, what, what he's made his life about. And that kind of gave me strength and courage to keep going. And then by the time the Easter vigil came around, I was like, I don't really know what a lot of this means, but I can, I can spend the rest of my life figuring that out. But like I'm in. Right. And I was just, I had a really powerful conversion. This was in Easter 2016. Yeah. Uh, and then my wife and I got married later that year. Uh, and then, you know, over the years since then, more and more of my life has kind of gone to God and at, by the time he was taking me out of soccer with injuries, I was actually kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm ready for that. I, I'm ready to move away from sports and I, I want to work more for the church. And I had signed up to be, uh, I had applied to be a graduate student at the Augustine Institute at a distance. And yeah. I loved theology and I, I loved teaching and every single class at the Augustine Institute was having a huge impact on me and things have just kind of gone from there and now I'm working here. So obviously things have gone Wow. Well, and I, you know, I, I just feel very fortunate because I love this place deeply and it's yeah. a great privilege to be, you know, kind of working in the vineyard of God. And it's, yeah. uh, it's been a wild ride, but it's been quite a joy. You know, Taylor, what, what was it, uh, you know, here you're, you're playing professional, so you were playing professional soccer at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Did your teammates know what was going on behind the scenes? Like, were you, uh, were they kind of wondering, like, what were you doing on the weekends or on Tuesdays yeah. <laughs> getting ready with yeah. the RCAA classes? Yeah. Did you talk to them about it? Yeah, that's a great question. It was a little bit of me hiding it and yeah. also them knowing it. So it was really weird at first because a lot of things in my life were changing and that impacted my friendships in the locker room. And so, you know, I, I would say that there was three years that I was in the locker room from when I began converting until I left with injuries. And I would say that my first year when I was converting was for sure the hardest. And there was a lot of like my, my friendships changed and they, I wouldn't say they like rejected me, but there was a lot of distance put between myself and my teammates, which was super hard in the second year. Uh, it wasn't as much. So like the first year they kind of rejected me the second year, they kind of accepted that thing. Taylor's different now some of the old stuff isn't going to fly as much and and our, our friendships had changed, but they were kind of starting to recover. And then I would say by the third year in 2018 is where like a lot of fruit started to really be born. And my teammates were curious. So it was like kind of rejection to acceptance to curious. And they started being asking me a ton of questions and we started doing Bible studies and our friendships actually got better, but it, it was a kind of painful process to go through that. And because they're asking me a lot of questions, especially early on in a conversion, you don't really know what God is doing in your heart. Right. You're like, well, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm thinking differently. My heart wants different things. And you're kind of trying to figure that out. So I, I certainly went through that and they were there and our relationships did just change, but it ended up coming to really like a, a beautiful end. Wow. Um. And then just, just one other really, I feel like important thing of, of my conversion story is uh, as a professional athlete, you really live under a cloud of fear a lot just because you're always, you know, you have to get a, your contract renewed the next year. You're always worried about someone taking your spot. You're you're living in this culture of criticism under social media and the papers and yeah. the fi- the coaches and film and all this stuff. And so I lived, you know, you, I didn't really know it until I was out of it, but I, I lived very much in this under this cloud of fear of failure and it brought just a ton of anxiety because you're just always worried, especially as a young player. 
And what's interesting is as I was converting, not only was like my mind changing and so much was going on about the way, what I believed and what I thought, but it was like that cloud of fear just kind of started to dissipate. It just kind of started to, to disappear, which was just an unbelievable feeling, you know, like, I started actually playing better because you play better when you're freer. And I, I just all of a sudden was like, well, soccer is something I do. It can also be something I don't do. And so if it doesn't go so well anymore, it's like, that's okay. Like I, my identity was completely changing from I am a soccer player to I belong to God right. and he is calling me closer to him. And so there was a ton of joy in that. And it was just really amazing. And I say that God, I think did that because it's how I came to trust him more. Like it was through this fear being released that I started to be like, okay, I'll give God more of myself because he's kind of shown me that doing that has really great results. And I would say that then when he took me out of soccer, that was the same thing where like something by all accounts, horrible was happening to me. Right. I was injured for 15 months. I had a bunch of surgeries. It was, it was a tough period, but there was just this great joy and peace. And by the time God took me out of sports, it, it came not with like, Oh no, what are you doing to my life? It was like, right. yeah, this is good. Like this is, this is great. And I, and I was actually excited about it. So that, that was a real blessing. Wow. Thank you for sharing for those just tuning in. I'm speaking with Taylor Kemp, who is the platform manager of formed, which is part of the Augustine Institute. Uh, Taylor on that note, uh, your work with formed, you've been there for how long now? Cause you did your graduate studies and then Yep. So I, I did my first year graduate studies online, finished my second year in person and graduated last year in 2020. And then I started my work at Formed in August. So I don't know what that breaks down to, maybe eight months, something like that. Awesome. Okay. And so I would love to hear more about your work there. And honestly, like your your hopes and dreams for how Formed can play a role in this mission of evangelization. Yeah. So formed is a really digital tool for evangelization and it is a Catholic streaming platform that has Bible studies, sacramental preparation, audio talks, kids content, saint movies. It's really just a a place where we want to take the gospel and how that has worked in people's lives and presented in a way that is most accessible to people today. Uh, we we kind of understand it as a digital Philip. If you remember from the Acts of the Apostles, when Philip goes to the Ethiopian eunuch yeah. and the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I understand unless someone helps me uh, what I'm reading? And we kind of see that today, the, of course, the gospel always needs to be not only presented, but also explained to people. And people today live a lot of their lives online. And so that is a presence in which the church needs to be. So we want to be in that space of uh, people are on computers, phones, tablets all the time. How can we help kind of, I don't know, evangelize or baptize that form of media so that they can spend some of their time in a better way. And we try to, we have a studios here, uh, which just, they make unbelievable productions. Our latest one is called the search and it's really excellent. And it is really a, a presentation of the charisma. Of, of the, the fundamentals of the gospel message. Uh, but it's just, it's really great. The visuals are amazing. The presenters are amazing. Uh, and that, that's really our goal is just to take the gospel, make it as yeah. not water it down, but as accessible and understandable as possible. 
and then make that as available to as many as possible. Right. And beautifully presented too. Like you said, uh, the search, which came out last year, it's very beautifully done. You know, a lot of this stuff comes through, through the senses we see, we hear, um, and that, uh, that, that has an impact on how we're receiving then this, the most important message of all time, which like you said, is the charisma. So Taylor, for someone who, okay, maybe they're, they're watching some content on formed, they're feeling this stirring to want to share the faith with others. Um, how might you encourage a Catholic who wants to, to respond to that call to share the gospel, but they're not quite sure where to start um, based on your own experience, what might you suggest to them? Yeah, I, I would say one, don't overcomplicate it or don't overthink it um, or think that you have to have every answer before you begin. Um, you know, the church for a while, especially after Vatican II, has really held up Jesus's discourse with the Samaritan woman as a model of evangelization. And this is a woman who has not been catechized and she's a bit of an outcast from her people and she encounters Christ. And all she does is goes and tells the people she knows about how she encountered him. And that's really the core of evangelization is God raises up teachers and apostles and priests and people to perform specific functions, but evangelization is the task of everyone. And all you need to evangelize is to tell people how, you know, Christ, how he's changed your life. Mm -hmm. And that can, you know, how have the sacraments changed your life? Uh, that at the root of evangelization is not so much, um, you know, giving all of the answers, but is just giving a personal account of what the Lord has done for you. Um, and that's always more powerful anyways, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it really is. So it, for those that are looking to evangelize, uh, first, what a great thing to even recognize in yourself. If you have that desire, that desire came from God. So you're even being receptive to that desire, which is just great. And then it's simply, we'll tell people about what God is doing in your life. Um, right. and it's okay not to have all of the answers and it's okay to say, I don't know, I will go to find out for you. Um, for, and for those of you who do want to learn more, there's amazing resources to do that. There's a million podcasts out there. Yeah. Uh, there's the work of, um, Bishop Robert Barron, Father Mike Schmidt. There's so many great resources today. And then I would obviously promote the graduate school at the Augustine Institute, which they do an unbelievable job of just catechizing and educating so that people can know the faith themselves, which allows them to love and know Christ better. And then to share that. Uh, so th there's all kinds of ways to do it, but I would say just present to people what has truly happened to you. And that'll be, that changes lives. The Holy spirit works through that. Now, Taylor, for the other side of that question, I'm thinking of the person who who's listening today. Um, but I'm thinking of that person who might've been in a similar place as you kind of just starting out asking those big questions. Um, what, what would be a word of encouragement or wisdom for those folks who are just maybe on the threshold of taking the next step? Yeah, really just take the next step. Um, just if, if you're wondering, or if you're wanting to know more, if you're wanting to grow closer to Christ, I mean, the easiest thing is talk to the people that are in your community, probably talk to a priest, talk to a friend who's living a life that seems like one to be imitated. Talk to those people. Um, 
But then otherwise, yeah, I would just take a step in whatever it may be. If it's to grow closer to the Lord in prayer, we'll do an extra, do sign up for Eucharistic adoration once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's to learn more, we at the Augusta Institute, or you could go to Formed. Formed has all kinds mm-hmm. of things. We have short courses at the Augusta Institute, which are $24 a month. And they have three, the, all of our professors kind of teach a, a slightly simpler version of what our graduate school classes are. Um, there's all kinds of ways to do that, but I would say have a commitment to increase your prayer life a little bit more. Um, to me, it's like any of the work that any of us want to do is only going to be brought about by prayer. Um, and so whatever it is, just go closer to Christ. And then that will allow him to lead you down whatever Avenue you're supposed to go. So that's adding 10 minutes a day or five minutes or half hour or, um, a rosary, something like that. Just, um, I would increase your prayer a little bit and then also see what practical steps uh, you could take. As you're, as you, we were speaking, I was thinking that sometimes there's that fear that we think God will take something away from us if we take that next step in faith. And so it's really kind of working through that, that worry, which is in the end, it's, it's, it's empty. God is going to give us so much more than we could possibly imagine, or we didn't realize we actually wanted in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. And, and with that kind of comes a a trust that God is good, that he wants our good, that we're not just puppets in his hand being forced into things, but that God's plan for our life is actually your happiness. And so while that, that can give us great faith that when we face a situation that seems difficult, whether that's something is being taken away or whatever it may be, that it's like, this seems hard and it is hard, yeah. but that God is doing a good thing through it, which a lot of the times can't be seen until after and you have yeah. to kind of look back. Yeah. Uh, but that that's you know a good thing to reflect on is the times that God has done that in your life and that can kind of strengthen for the future. Um, I would say too, just with my soccer stuff, how really soccer was an idol in my life, uh, without knowing by vocabulary, that's what it was. It was my whole life was ordered to pursuing that. Um, and I would say that I had lived under this assumption that when I became a professional soccer player, because that's what I wanted, that I would be happy. And then with the fear and the anxiety, that wasn't the case. And so that actually was helpful for me to recognize that the, uh, what I assumed would bring me what I wanted didn't. And then that can kind of fuel me, that fueled me to look elsewhere, to kind of open me up to look elsewhere and then to discover the fulfillment of Christ. But he did that in a, like a, a way that worked for me. Uh, And he does that for every single person. And he's, he's working in ways to, to remove the things that we care too much about. And that's often why he takes something away. It's not necessarily because it's bad it's that has, that has gone above priorities in our life where God should be. And so that has to be taken down, which is a painful process. You know, that's, that's a death to self. That's a conversion. That's a small crucifixion in our lives. But the point of that is actually to bring us to a a fullness, to bring us to a happiness uh, that, that God wants for us. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, you're, you were a professional soccer player, but I was a professional soccer fan. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I'm honest with folks that growing up, you know, I would go to mass on Sundays, but Taylor, I was worshiping at the stadium later that day. And, and I think you're right. There was a, a reordering of my own life that needed to happen. 
you know, the priorities yeah. were just out of order. Um, even after really my, I experienced my own conversion. It's not as though suddenly I wasn't allowed to enjoy soccer anymore. It's just right. that it was in the right order and that yes. God reminded me, Hey, do you love me more? <laughs> do yeah. you love me more? Do you love yeah. me more than these. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, uh, that process. Yeah. It's just, it's to Jesus's conversation with Peter. Do you love me more than these? It's about getting everything kind of in the right order. Um, and really the easiest way to do a little bit of a self-examination about these things, like what, what is it that I really care about? Because our, our lives reflect, our actions reflect really what matters in our heart. Cause it can be sometimes difficult to figure out, well, what is really going on inside of my heart? And I always think the easiest way to look is just how do you spend your time? Yeah. Um, and that's why I always think it's so important to make small increases in daily prayer, because that is a, a real decision of Lord, you matter enough to me f- to give you a little bit more of what I have to offer today. Yeah. Um, and then that is really a path to this kind of reordering yeah. uh, of how we prioritize our lives. Uh, I've mentioned it a lot on this show uh, that there was a line from a philosophy class I took many years ago. And the professor always said over and over again, whatever is at the center of your life will determine everything else about how you live. And that has stayed with me. And really it's, it's a, it's a daily reminder that we need that what is at the center, because that's going to determine everything else about the rest of my day, the rest of my week, the rest Mm -hmm. of my relationships. Um, It all relies and goes back to the center. Yep. Taylor, I am so grateful for your time today. Um, I ask that God continue to bless your family, your work, and your ministry with Formed. God bless you. Thank you so much, Mary. It was great. God bless you too. I pray for this podcast and, and for all the work you're doing. Thank you so much. As Taylor was walking us through his story, he mentioned that as he approached Easter Vigil, he got to the point when he had to admit that he didn't know what all of it meant but he was okay with spending the rest of his life figuring it out. He was all in. Now at the time of this recording, we're approaching Easter, and many thousands of people from around the world will be baptized. They'll be reborn in Christ, made a new creation. And odds are, it's not because they suddenly have all the answers, but it's because they have this trust in Christ and in His promises. And in that way, the journey of coming into the church is not a movement towards an end, but rather a movement towards a beginning. And one last note, Taylor shared that he noticed that he was playing soccer better as his conversion was happening, as he was freed from what had a hold on his heart. And it's true that real freedom gives us wings in that sense. And if we trust that God will lift us up into the immensity of His love, which reaches even beyond the borders of the universe itself, we can trust that He'll help us safely land where we need to be. Thank you for tuning in, and please join me next time as we continue to blaze a trail of hope together. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.